0: It's a really nice overview of my interests and how they increased and decreased.
1: Data stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at click.de/datastories. That's q l i k .de/datastories hi everyone data story is 61 hi enrico How are you doing? hey i'm good and you yeah okay hi. i'm actually i'm actually great let's let's admit it, that's it. <laughs> No, it's good. I'm just uh, busy. So today we have another cool episode. It's another project oriented episode. So that's a new format we want to establish. They should be shorter. Let's see how it goes. Maybe we (laughs) land at 55 minutes. Now we want to keep them a bit shorter than the ones. And just tell the story behind one data visualization project in uh, excruciating details. And for this, we have uh, a special guest, uh, Lisa Charlotte-Rost. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) Hi! Hi Lisa.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. It was about time. (laughs) Well. (laughs) So uh, can you tell us a bit about you? Like what do you do?
0: Uh, Sure. So um, I would describe myself as a designer with a strong focus on data visualization. And I'm working for uh, the data journalism agency Open Data City right now in Berlin, in Germany. And I'm doing a lot of interactive visualization right now, but I'm actually coming from a print design background. So I studied visual communication at the Bauhaus university in Weimar and I graduated from there last summer. And since then I'm trying to get more into interactive VIS and interactive data journalism. And yeah, I'm also teaching. I taught three data vis courses, um, at Yeah, three different German universities in the last couple of months. And I'm also organizing the DataVis Meetup here in Berlin.
1: So very busy woman. (laughs) (laughs) Always something going on. And she also has a a really nice website with a couple of her works and, and a blog where she occasionally blogs on individual findings and thoughts on data visualization, which is pretty cool too, which we both link from the blog post, of course. And the project we discovered there... And which we wanted to talk about and which we're now talking about is uh, one that's called Searching Through the Years. And it's basically the project is the blog post, right? Is is that fair to say? So it's a blog post.
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: uh, A blog post about the insights she found by analyzing 40,000 Google search queries and uh, the twist is it's her own Google search queries <laughs> <laughs> in the last five years. So it's a little self-examination. And uh, it's a very fascinating project because A, I didn't know you can download this Google search history. And Lisa will tell us a bit about this, I hope. And the other thing is how much you can find in these types of data. So Lisa looked at locations, different topics she was interested in, different times, different techniques, but then also found out quite a bit that well, it's not everything is covered the same way, right? So searching something for Google might mean you're interested in it or it might just mean, uh, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> just a little teaser. Um, yeah, and we'll link the, blog, uh, the the project, of course, from the blog post. And there's also two background readings you might want to look at, especially when it comes to the more technical stuff, two write-ups on, on how the, the technical background of the project is. So, Lisa, my first question is really why did you start that project well if you think back before the project existed what, what was your original like impetus how did it came about did you have the idea and did it straight away or did it sit somewhere for years and then finally you did it <laughs> or how did it come uh, come about
0: it's just that there for like two months i um i mean it's possible to download your Google search history, um, I think, since April 2015. Mm -hmm. Yes, since April. And I saw a news article about it because I have a huge interest in Google as a company. I'm always up to date about their products. And um, so, yeah, that's how um, (laughs) I noticed that this is possible. And um, yeah. Since then, I actually wanted to do that blog post and I put it on my to-do list. And then finally, in June 2015, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago, I did that project as a day project, more or less. It was like um, a 24-hour project, Oh wow! Um, yeah, including writing a blog post.
2: <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> so Lisa, how did you actually get started? So I'm wondering, did you start by... Retrieving, analyzing data, or you tried to picture in your mind, or maybe even sketching already some visualizations. I'm wondering what was the process behind that.
0: Um, yeah, it was not so much sketching. I actually like. I really love sketching um, as a preparation for the data visualizations, but in this case, um, yeah, <laughs> I dealt more with the data. It was kind of hard to get the data ready to visualize, and so. Yeah, the analysis at the end was fairly easy compared with that. So, of course, I downloaded it from Google, which was um, pretty easy. They give you Jasons, um by quarter. So I downloaded uh, the Google search history, my Google search history from the last five years. So I had 20 JSONs at the end. And um, <laughs> in, the, in the beginning, I merged them all by hand and then... I converted Copy-paste,
1: basically, into one yes. big file.
0: Yes, it was. Oh, wow. It was not the smartest way to do it, but it was the way without coding. Right, right, it, yeah. Why guess. not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it took some time. Um, but yeah, then I converted the JSONs uh, to CSV. I used OpenRefine for that. And then I exported them to... Um, yeah and put them in excel and converted the unix timestamps ah, uh, okay. which the JSONs came with
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then i had the funnel csv and that's um and i put that in tableau public and analyzed it but yeah as i as i said like doing everything by hand is not the best idea um they're actually like a good friend of mine daniel kirsch did everything with one Ruby script. Ah. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. like merging, converting to CSV, um, converting the timestamps, yeah, with a few um, lines of code, which makes so much more sense.
1: Yeah, but still, you know, he wouldn't have been able to write that if you hadn't figured out that way manually, right?
0: I guess so. I guess it's, yeah, I really enjoyed actually having this process um, of doing everything by hand. I think I understood Jason's better with that. Yeah. As I said, I don't have a coding background. So I think I definitely learned something there.
1: Yeah, I think it makes it much more artisanal that you actually copy pasted 20 different uh, files into one. That's <laughs> Why not? Yeah. That's
2: fine. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? So yeah, did you have and, any... Sorry, Moritz. Do you have any stumbling blocks or anything that was overly complicated and you had to find a solution?
0: Um, in the beginning, I tried to convert the JSONs to CSV with some JSON to CSV converter online, and it seemed like that was not possible because the JSON was like five megabyte in the end, and um, <laughs> it seemed like these online converters, um, yeah, didn't let me do it. So, um, to f- actually choose OpenRefine took some time, um, yeah, of me figuring out if the JSON was not, um, in order if, like, um, yeah, or if the converters are just not doing it right. But that was actually the only thing. Um, I mean, it was a pretty straightforward project. As I said, it only took a couple of hours.
1: And then, uh, you put it into Tableau public, um, To analyze the data, so basically one row is one search query? Was it like this?
0: Yes, exactly. Ah, that's
1: very nice. And then you can aggregate it and slice it and dice it in different ways. Yes. And you mostly produced uh, time histograms, like the amount of queries matching or having a certain property over time. Uh, Yes, in
0: one week, in one month, in one year. Yes, that's why I chose Tableau Public too, because… it's yeah. It's quite <laughs> to easy to train. do, yeah, in, in yes. Tableau, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And um, so, what did you learn from looking at the data? Were there any surprises about yourself, or is everything as you expected it? Like, can can you tell us a bit about the concrete insights you had?
0: Um, sure. So, I as like as mentioned, I try to find out everything about the locations I traveled or lived in. Um, And then the projects I was working on and uh, the tools I'm using. And I mean, locations was, yeah, yeah, (laughs) made a lot of sense. Everything like um, in smaller cities, I lived in like Weimar where I studied. I didn't Google so often for the name of the city because Weimar is so small. You don't need directions to anything. (laughs) But now (laughs) that I'm living, now that I'm living in Berlin, I'm, Actually, searching for directions almost every day, like Mm -hmm. a couple of times. And yeah, so Google knows even better where I am right now. Exactly. (laughs) And yeah, I really liked um, the analysis of the tools I was using. Um, So um, in one week in November, I Googled extremely often for CSS and D3 and Timel and GitHub, because I try to figure out everything mm-hmm. <laughs> about these topics. And yeah, it's, it's like, if I would be Google, I would totally, I guess, sell the data of, I don't know, how, how people, um, what people are Googling for, regarding my tools yeah. 2D, to the tool builder. Which
1: JavaScript framework is hip uh, among Berlin coders. So. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <Something laughs> like that. And which bugs are most often Googled for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, you finally get a sense of what these companies can actually work with, right? Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah it's very,
1: very fascinating. And, and the other thing I found quite striking is that, well, it captures your interests, but it also captures... Not only your interest, but also what you don't know. So it's it's a strange thing they are actually capturing, right? It's like all the the insecurities or the the negative space more or less.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: This might be a good time to talk a bit about our sponsor this week. Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at click.de/datastories. That's q l i k .de/datastories. And as you know, the new version, ClickSense 2.0, features smart load, search, data compression, as well as data storytelling tools. And with ClickSense, virtually anyone can create uh, personalized data visualizations, reports, and dashboards using drag and drop tools. It's pretty cool. And they also have a a blog on their site where they highlight. themes and topics uh, related to data visualization and the newest one is a really interesting one it's on the role of multiple devices in our workspaces written by Donald Farmer and uh, you'll find the link in the show notes. And he points out really nicely how important it is to think beyond the traditional desktop screen size, but also interaction patterns and understand the crucial role of mobiles, tablets, big screens, casual computing, and so on. As you know, it's a topic we discussed many times on data stories already, but it's definitely still not solved and a big challenge uh, looking forward. And you can download on the Click site an in-depth technical report on, on the Click blog. And if you want to try out ClickSense yourself, uh, there's a big ClickSense roadshow with over 100 events in Europe and other places. We will link um, again in the blog post to the tour dates. And you can just go there, try out ClickSense yourself and maybe build your first ClickSense app if you like. So thanks again for sponsoring the show. You can find out more at QLIK.de slash datastories. That's clicked.de slash datastories.
2: And now back to the show. So, did you discover anything surprising about yourself?
0: Um, let's see. I I guess not so much. It was actually it was a really nice overview of my interests and how they increased and decreased. How my like how my interest in data visualization increased. How my interest in magazine design, for example, decreased. Um, how I worked on projects. Um, to which cities I traveled to. It was. It always had these ups and downs in Mm -hmm. in the histograms. Um, So, yeah, it was... It's like flipping through
1: a photo album, yeah? Yes, yes, exactly. Uh In a
0: very abstract way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 Photo album of (laughs) (laughs) the three of JavaScript libraries. Very nice, yeah. Um, Can we talk a bit about uh, design? So the project is, as you said, a very short, quick exploration. So there's not an extensive design process I would expect, but, um, uh, how did you like this? Des- uh, yeah, which design decisions did you make and how did you, for instance, decide on the presentation form or the medium and what were your thoughts overall on the design side?
0: Sure. Um, so, um, regarding design side, I guess, um. For me, it was most important that you can compare the different uh, amount of queries for the specific terms. Um, so I tried to find bins for my histograms, like I, I ended up with months that could uh, that you could compare in an easy way. And I, I chose the form of small multiples so that you can compare um, these timelines with each other. And um, yeah. And regarding I mean the presentation form, the medium chosen. Um I definitely I chose a static approach, um, because yeah, it was most easy for a twenty-four hour project to do that. Um but I also and it was a kind of pity, I chose a static approach, a static medium. Um, because of the sensitive information that were in my data. So that was actually interesting for me. I would love to have like an interactive version where everybody can filter through my data and can filter for search queries and how often I'm using them, etc. Um, but that would, yeah, that <laughs> I don't know, it's... it's I'm not sure, it would feel like a little bit like internet suicide or something. <laughs> There's so many sensitive information in my Google data. It's really like a photo album. It's um, very personal. Um I mean, I think there are artists out there who publish their Google search history on a daily basis. Um but yeah, it's it's more like an art project then. Yeah. But yeah, maybe maybe I'm extending this project a little bit more. Um I really hope to um find a interactive version where um yeah where you don't have my whole data set my whole data uh, (laughs) which is a pity but um at least some yeah slight interactive um um yeah design
1: you could do a curated interactive version like one (laughs) that has interesting topics but it still like has some dynamic aspects or something yeah yeah that's uh, an interesting problem like with this personal data that it's I mean it makes makes most sense for you anyways to look at it. Um, sure. And also only you will be able to fully make sense out of it, right? And um yeah, so the, publishing this like fully is is a, is a tricky thing, yeah.
0: I think it's interesting if you start to compare it with other um Google search histories of lot of other people or of yeah. um, the average Google search history. Right. Um to compare it with the trends um that you can find on a Google Trend page. Um yeah, that would be interesting maybe i should do that maybe you
1: should you should make an interactive
2: tool who knows
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
2: (laughs) yeah maybe a tool that others can can load their own data and and expand it that would be nice too did you think about it yes,
0: i thought about it too and then but then again who would upload their data to like a website i'm That's what I wrote in my tutorial, too. Um, I chose Tableau Public because it was a good tool, but I didn't save my results because in Tableau Public you can only save it if you save it to the cloud. And I really didn't want to do that. (laughs) No, but I was thinking about
2: more of a web application where you can directly connect with your own account, right? And use the Google API and load data directly into the application. So you won't store anybody else's data. It's just direct connection with an API. Yeah, but then we move from 24-hour project to 24-month <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, project. Yeah yeah yeah. As a yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if somebody listening to the podcast wants to do that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I would be up for that. <laughs> right?
2: That, that would be nice. I would use it. I'm really curious about looking into my own data. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be cool. I would be interested myself. Hmm. <laughs> So Lisa, are there any uh, specific lessons that you learned from from this project and from this process, anything that you can share with other people? And um, yeah, some lessons learned.
0: Um, So as I mentioned before, I think the data um, itself was not, I mean, it was um, pretty self-explaining. It was not that interesting. um, But what I found really interesting is um, how my approach of analyzing the data changed with my knowledge about it because the data, I was responsible for the data, right? I created the data myself by, um, searching for these 40,000, um, search queries. And, um, so I really know why I searched for everything and, um, why these increases and decreases in the histograms appeared. And so, yeah, it was super interesting to see how two similar appearing patterns had to s- very different explanations that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that uh, a decline in search queries meant really different different things. And um, yeah, it got me really thinking about how I normally analyze data I'm not responsible for and yeah. what I'm actually missing because I don't know the why mm-hmm. behind the data.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a super important point. I think in general, it's... Um, I think it's a good habit trying to work with data that at least some people you're working with can explain or is interested in, right? At least in my experience, these kind of projects are the most interesting ones. Yeah it's a bit like this magazine effect like when
1: whenever there's like a popular magazine an article on a topic you actually know about and then you realize how oh, fact, yeah. how factually wrong everything yeah, is yeah absolutely and then you think further and think like wow that's it the same the when they're out yeah. when they write about anything it's, it's like terrible. oh my god <laughs>
2: we're doomed <laughs>
1: Yeah. I actually it's the same get this when fi- you have data you actually care about and data you actually know. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I actually crazy. get this feeling when there is uh, some popular article on data visualization. I don't know if you have to say I, I always, always, <laughs> always
1: it freaks me out. And, yeah. and and neuroscience, like whatever they <laughs> write neuro- about oh, the brain oh is my always God. wrong. Yeah.
2: They have no clue, man. Oh,
1: don't get <laughs> yeah, the I mean, Don't capitalize. Yeah, you're
2: opening a can of worms, but I, I could talk <laughs> for hours about that. <laughs> I think the way people talk simplistically about how the brain and psychology works it's crazy I mean it's just <laughs> unbelievable they believe stuff that they shouldn't believe <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. come on <laughs> yeah it's a story
1: for another day oh, yeah. <laughs> final question how was the project used and received so do, do you know anything about like did, did you get any feedback once you put it out there or did somebody start the same project with different data or what happened afterwards
0: um Oh, f- like, first of all, it got lots of, um, like, for okay, for, <laughs> for my person, it got a lot of um, retweets on Twitter, which was, cool. like, super nice uh, yeah. to see for me. But um, it was super interesting to see the different reactions of different groups. So my friends and all the database people and, um, yeah, in this um, group of people, um, they reacted more like, wow, cool, I must do that myself. I should totally analyze my own data. But then there was also an article um, by Mark Fay on CNBC. And he also analyzed his Google search history in a pretty sophisticated way. And then the comments there were more like, ooh, this is scary. And I will start to use DuckDuckGo instead. And yeah, there were Mm -hmm. questions raised like, should it be illegal for Google to save our search history? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that didn't happen in my friend group at all. <laughs> but I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But I'm really hoping for for more people um to, to analyze their Google search history. I'm super, super curious to see what um happens when they do it, when they visualize their data, what which insights they will find. Um yeah, I'm yes. Please, everybody, <laughs> analyze the Google search history.
1: Maybe you should do a analyze your search history party. Like
0: Ooh, a hackathon. everybody idea. brings
1: their search history and we have the tools and then it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I will do that at the next data with <laughs> That's a good Brilliant. idea.
1: Yeah, very good. Yeah. And but it's it's so interesting because it, it makes so much sense when you do it for yourself and it's so sensitive and you share it, you know? So it, it's a tricky issue. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: Are there any related projects, so if somebody's interested in in other stuff that that does similar things? So you mentioned the CNBC article, we can link that.
0: Yes, I only found one other other one Mm -hmm. um, who did a similar analysis two weeks after my blog article um, by Ari Morcos, and he also has a nice heat map of weeks and hours um, Mm -hmm. of searching data. We can also link to that if that's possible. Um yeah and he promised a part 2 and i'm still waiting for that <laughs> since <laughs> since june. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> Let's see.
1: Maybe he's been hired by Google.
0: <laughs> Ooh, maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very nice project. I love that it's so, you know, self-contained and it's actually small but but still goes I I do think it goes pretty deep and and raises a couple of questions so Uh, Pretty good stuff. Uh, Thanks, Lisa, for telling us about it.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, we have a request. If you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. I also want to give you some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We are, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com datastories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash datastories podcast. And we now also have a newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox, go to our own page datastory.es and look for the link that you find on the right. One last thing I want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest ways to improve the show, amazing people you want us to invite, or projects you want us to talk about. So do get in touch with us. That's all for now. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Data Stories. Data stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with Click Sense, which you can download for free at click.de/datastories. That's q l i k .de/datastories.